2 Corinthians chapter 1, 8 through 14, reading at verse 8, it says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we were uh, despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from uh, so great a, a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that things may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. For a boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and more abundantly towards you, for we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now I trust you will understand even to the end. As, as also you have understood us in part that we are your boast as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. And so Paul just wrote in Corinthians that God comforts us in our tribulations. We see that in verse 4 and 5. In verse 5 he referred to this as the sufferings of Christ. What is he saying? What does he mean by the sufferings of Christ? He's not speaking of simply suffering for the sake of our faith, uh, nor are we adding to his redemption through any suffering. He's saying as Christians we had joined him in the fellowship of his suffering. His point is this, troubles are part of the Christian life. And we can often do uh, and, and forget that uh, he's prepared us to, to go through these sufferings. You know, one of the things I often say is this. I, I love the fact that the scriptures are, are honest and real with us. And what I mean by that is just this, what we're talking about. One of the things that I really believe is important, if you and I understand, is I love passages like the one we're studying today because it helps us in our faith. Why does it help us? Because the Lord tells us, you are going to go through hardships. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through tough times. And I think it's very important because, for example, on Wednesday when we did face-to-face, -face, we talked about uh, anxiety and depression and, and, and tough times because that seems to be a question that comes up a lot right now. And as we face those things, the Lord's like, you got this. And how do we know that we have this? Well, I'm jumping ahead, but, and we'll look at it in just a second. But if you look at verse 10, he gives three tenses, if you would past, present, future. It says, the Lord who has delivered us, past tense, uh, the Lord who does deliver us, present tense, and the Lord who will deliver us. And what is he saying? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so there's a reminder. You, you have gone through things and God was with you. You are going through things, God is with you. You will go through things and God is with you. And so these are things are important. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his name's sake. Listen, I believe this is part of us learning and growing in our relationship and our walk with God. It causes us to go deeper. It either causes us to actually walk away from God and say, forget it, or it actually causes us to go deeper with him. Philippians 3.10, it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. 
I don't know about you, but I've come in contact with people who have both said, one, it's not worth it. Why be a Christian? It's not worth it. It's too hard. And they give up. And I have seen other people give up on their faith because somebody else gave up on their faith that they looked up to or whatever. Or there's things like uh, yesterday or the day before, I believe it was yesterday, was the seventh anniversary of Pastor Chuck Smith passing away. Pastor Chuck Smith is uh, or was our pastor's pastor. And uh, he is looked up to by so many pastors and stuff uh, still to this day of somebody who literally the week that he passed away, he was still in the pulpit with uh, oxygen on and everything else but preaching the gospel. Just uh, a guy who's like, I'm going for it for Jesus. And, and so there's people like our pastor who's like, I'm going for it for Jesus. And you see that in his actions and his lifestyle. And so here's the thing. I'm learning to go for it for Jesus. Why? Because of Pastor Chuck, because of Pastor David. And, and so now it's my turn. And what I want to teach you guys is go for it for Jesus. And God's going to be with you. How do I know? Because he's with me. And, and how do I know he's going to be with me? Because he's with our pastor. And he's with, he was with Pastor Chuck, and, and, and he brought him home and, and all that stuff. And so there's this reminder. It's like passing the baton, if you would, in a relay race. I ran, and, and, and I made it. Now you run, and you're going to make it. How do I know you're going to make it? Because I ran, and I made it. And, and so th th this is the understanding that I may know him. See, to follow Jesus is to be put in a position of experiencing hardship sometimes. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. So it says that we need to resist him. We need to stay steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering that you're experiencing, uh, it has been experienced by the brotherhood in the world. So what you go through, what you are going through, what you've been through, what you will go through, has been experienced by somebody else. So it shouldn't be any surprise when you're going through afflictions and trials. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 4, verse 12 through 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ. Then when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad and exceedingly joyful. Notice it says this in verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same suffering which we also suffer. You're equipped. You're equipped and comforted because we've been equipped and comforted. See, Paul's uh, endurance was a testimony to them. He was saying, hang in there. Hang in there. You've seen me hang in there, so hang on. And, and so he says, use my life as an example and eventually your life is going to be the example. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So he's saying there's a reminder. You're going to suffer. You're going to go through hardships. And you have to endure. You're going to endure these uh, afflictions, this tribulation. And at first, it's for you, but it's also my afflictions, he says, Paul says, was for you, 
but it's also for you to teach others. So again, it's twofold. It's for you to keep going, but it's also for you to learn. I was saying last service, now that you guys are older, a lot of you have served in, in, were once students in VBS and now have served in VBS. And now that you are even older, your juniors and seniors especially, some of the students that you served in VBS are in junior high and are now old enough to serve in VBS. And so it's a trip when you see somebody that you poured into now pouring into somebody else. And for, for me, I could tell you almost all the leaders, actually all the leaders that are in this room right now, but almost all of our leaders were in our youth group. And so I've poured into them as students, and now they're, I pour into them as a leader, and then the leadership things that they know, they're pouring into you guys. And eventually one day, like now, Josh has some people that uh, were in the youth group that are serving in junior high and are now pouring into others. And they're still in high school, uh, the, those students. And they're pouring into the junior highers. This is exactly what Paul's talking about. But he's talking about afflictions and sufferings and trials. And he says, you've seen me go through these things. And it was for you to watch and learn, to watch me go through these things and keep going. And you're going to learn that you can and you will go through things and you can keep going. He picks up. Because one of the things was these false, these people that were coming in after Paul were trying to tell the Corinthian Christians, they were trying to discredit Paul in his ministry. And, and, and so one of the things Paul's going to say is, he goes, but you know me. They were trying to undermine his credibility. They were trying to discredit his message. But the message was salvation. And so Paul felt it necessary to answer the critics. And notice this, we're picking up here in verse 8. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. When he says that, what he's trying to tell them is, he goes, I want you to know something. You know that I was troubled, it says here in verse 8, uh, which came to us in Asia. Now we don't know exactly what that trouble is. Uh, Many scholars believe there was an issue in Ephesus that was the main thing. There's a few different things that they talk about, but because we don't know what it is, we're not going to, we don't know. We were troubled. Here's one of the things I want you guys to see. If you have your own Bible, if you're taking notes, please highlight verse 8 and 9. These passages I really believe are important for us as Christians. Why? Because this is what Paul, again, some of you know I say, I like Peter because he always makes mistakes and the Lord has to correct them. And so I feel more like relatable to him. But here's Paul. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament that seems like such a, an amazing man of God. But this is what he says in verse 8. We, we were troubled in Asia Minor, or Asia, excuse me. Notice what he says though, verse 8. We were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Despair. I felt like I was in a situation where there was no escape. There was no exit. We were burdened beyond measure, above strength. 
this incredible stress was above my human strength. I felt like I was going to die. And I felt like I had no human strength left in me to get over, get around, pass through these troubles. Why is this so important? Why am I telling you guys, highlight this, circle this, notice this? Because here's a man of God saying, I felt like I was going to die. Why is this so important? On Wednesday, when we were talking at Face to Face about anxiety and depression, one of the things that we talked about was Mark chapter 4 with Jesus in the boat. He tells the disciples, let's go to the other side. And they all get in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. The storm picks up. The, their boat is filling up with water. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. And these guys, several of them fishermen, several, several of them very familiar with the sea there, were very stressed out. And they wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care that we're dying, that we're going to drown? Don't you care? And he calms the storm. He literally says, peace, be still. And then he looks at them and says, where's your faith? Now, if any of you were like me, I would be in my head. I wouldn't say it out loud because I wouldn't talk back to Jesus, but I would in my head. What do you mean, where's my faith? We're in a boat that's filling up with water. We're in a storm. We're sinking. We're going to die. And you're asking me, where's my faith? Now, I wouldn't say that out loud because it's Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I already said, don't you care that we're drowning? <laughs> don't you care that we're in harm's way? But in my head, after he calmed the storm and stuff, I, and now he's scolding me for my faith, in my head I'm going, really? You were sleeping. I don't know if you guys ever felt like, where's Jesus? When I need him most? And then you say in your head or maybe even out loud, he said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Is he sleeping? And if he is, why? Maybe because he was at peace and said, he told them, let's go to the other side. Where's your faith? Remember, Paul is, the issue is the tribulation. The issue is the trouble, the affliction. The issue is these things that God is going to comfort you during those things as he comfort him. They were in despair. There were, it felt like there was no escape. And what Paul is saying in verse 8 when he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, he's saying, you might not know this, so I'm going to tell you. Here's one of the things, isn't this true of us? We might see on somebody's face they're going through something, but we don't know what it is. And for each one of us, even if it's something similar, like if you have a loved one that passes away, and maybe it's very recent or current, if you would, and you know that feeling of, sadness or in the emotion that comes with and, and and somebody else doesn't or maybe they do but it's been a while and the thing is is I want you to understand well what's wrong with you why are you always sad well my grandma or grandpa just died or my what you know whatever it is 
oh, okay. Well, that now I understand why you're sad. Well, that, yeah, that's why I'm telling you. When this is what Paul's doing, he goes, I want you to understand this trouble that happened. And apparently they knew what it was. But he's trying to make it clear, like, this is what's going on. But it was so great. It was so great that I felt like we were going to die. I had no human strength to fight this. I had nothing. I was despaired even of life. Yes, we have the sentence of death, verse 9, in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So what is he saying in verse 9? I felt like I was going to die, but what kept me going was the thought, was the thought, thought that Jesus raises the dead, that Jesus conquers death in the grave. We just talked about that. Well, we talked about that in 1 Corinthians 15, right? That death no longer has a sting, that Christ has swallowed, uh, death has been swallowed up in victory in Christ. And so what he's saying is this, the, the sentence of death that we should not trust in ourselves. He says there's no hope in and of ourselves, but I'm going to focus my attention on the Lord. Psalm 116, verse 8 and 9, For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So again, he says that not that we should trust in ourselves. He's reminding them. He wants them to learn, don't trust in your own abilities to deliver yourselves, especially because you have no strength. See, the heart of our Christian faith is trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. When we lean not on our own understandings, right? In our, all of our ways acknowledge Him. John 15 verse 5 says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Or Philippians 4.13, a passage that most of you know, I can do all things through Christ, excuse me, who strengthens me. That's the reminder. In Christ you can keep going. In Christ you're going to make it. And Paul's telling them this, and he's saying, you know how I know? <laughs> I'm making it. I made it. Even when I was at a point where I thought I was going to physically die, I made it. One of the things he says got me through was I kept my attention on the resurrection, on hope. I kept focused, and I had to fight. If you were here Wednesday, we didn't record, but it was face-to-face. -face. We talked about what do we got to do when we're going through hardships, when we're getting anxious and depressed. We talked about we need to worship. We need to worship. And when you feel like you shouldn't worship or you don't want to worship, that's probably when you need to put on worship the most. We talked about being in the Word. We talked about praying. We talked about spending as much time and getting as close to the Lord as possible. We have to understand that God is faithful. But not only that He is faithful, verse 10, that He was faithful, that He has been faithful, that He is now faithful, and He will continue to be faithful. Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and He heard me and He delivered me from all my fears. 2 Peter 2, 9 says, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of the temptations to, to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. He's saying the Lord was with us, the Lord is with us, and the Lord will continue to be with us. 
Why is this so important today? Because everybody's stressed about COVID and distance learning and this thing and that thing and everything else. Is, is the world crazy and chaotic? Everybody's stressed about who's going to be the next president or who's not or whatever. Here's what I want to tell you guys. You're okay. You're going to be fine if you keep your eyes on the Lord. It doesn't matter who's the next president. It doesn't matter about this. It doesn't matter. Will all that be hard? Yes. It doesn't matter who it is. What matters is how you handle it. As a Christian, as a man of God, as a woman of God, what matters is how you and I handle things. There are things that make me angry in life, but how I handle that anger is what matters. There are things that make me sad, but what I do with that sadness, that's what matters. And Paul says, listen, I got to a place where I was in despair, even to the place where I despaired even of life, burden beyond measure, above strength. There was nothing in me anymore. I had nothing. I had no juice in me. There was nothing in and of myself that was going to help me keep going. All I can do is keep my attention on the Lord. <coughs> and you prayed for me. Verse 11, and you prayed for me. What he has endured may turn out to, for blessings because they were a part of it. They were a part of it. They were a part of his incredible journey in despair, though not physically, but they've been praying. Let me tell you guys, and, and please hear me, I speak personally. Prayer is powerful. On Thursday night, it was probably midnight-ish. I was going through something, and I sent the leaders. We have a group me that we, a, a texting app that we use together. And I normally say, please pray or prayer please or something like that. I couldn't even get anything else through except for, because it was so crazy, I just put pray. And you know what the coolest thing? Um, the leaders can attest to this. Within, I don't remember what time I could look it up. It doesn't matter, but it was late. Was it one? It's one in the morning? Within seconds, literally, I had a, all the leaders responding, praying, praying, praying. Seconds. Within seconds. And forgive me. I don't want to post this, but I'm recording it. <laughs> I didn't even want to write it because I thought it's late. I don't want to bother them. Sorry. But I needed prayer. <laughs> and I believe with all my heart, they would say, you text anytime, because actually they've said that. I didn't realize it was one. <laughs> Sorry for the motion, but I'm not, I guess. 
their prayer helped get me through. And sometimes because I feel like every other day it feels like I'm sending that prayer request. And it's not. But it feels like it. And I can tell you this, there's not one time the leaders are like, can you stop sending prayer requests late at night? (laughs) And I know that they didn't turn off their phones because they wrote back (laughs) at one in the morning. All of them. I get emotional because I'm very thankful. This is what Paul's trying to get across. And so I can tell you, What Paul is saying here, I can tell you firsthand. And may my emotion be even testament of the fact that it's real. Paul's telling the church, your prayers help get me through. And so for those of you who prayed, and for the leaders, not only here, but who are in first service and aren't here, your prayers help get me through. How get my family through what we've been going through. It's that powerful. See, Paul was comforted and encouraged by their prayers. And he's actually encouraging them more like, hey, this should be motivation. Like, keep praying. Keep praying. It's powerful. 2 Timothy 4.18 And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, we have to understand that God is in control and He's doing all the work. But we also understand that in order to, or included with spiritual work, it's accomplished by prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 And for me, the utterance may be given to me that it may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he's saying, again, remind you, that is after putting on the spiritual armor. And he says, now I'm going to go speak forth the word of God, the truth of God. Listen, one of the things as a youth pastor that breaks my heart so much is so many people who have come in, sat in these chairs, and heard Bible studies uh, from me and Josh and Joe McTarsley and others and all the leaders and stuff is they walk away from the Lord for whatever reason. And it breaks my heart. And I've said things like this. I don't care what church you go to, as long as you're going to a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. What I do care is that you don't walk away from Jesus. And people say, well, you don't understand. I've been hurt and stuff. And I'm going, (laughs) and I laugh. I laugh only in the sense of going, you don't understand what I understand. You want to talk about hurt? You don't have enough time. (laughs) I could talk about hurt. I have seen so much hurt in the church. You're like, well, you're not helping the situation, Dustin. No, probably not. But what I am going to say is, and? Man fails. The Bible says man will fail you. Even in the church, man will fail you. 
I've heard people in the church never willingly, never willingly. I know I've let people down. It breaks my heart. Never willingly. There's times I've given my best and people are like, I've had people call the church and talk, try, want to talk to pastor, try to get me fired. I'm like, wait, what? Anyway. I've seen a lot of hurt and pain and have experienced a lot of hurt and pain. So have you at times. But God has been good through it all. God has helped get me through. And there's been times, and maybe like you, if you've been hurt, that your eyes are off the Lord and your eyes are on bad and your eyes are, your heart and your mind is like, forget it then, I'm out. Whatever's. And you don't care anymore. And this is what becomes your downfall if you go that route. You have to instead go, Lord, I have nothing at all anymore but you. And Lord, I feel like I'm in despair and I'm broken and I'm hurt. And he's like, come here. And it reminds us stories like the prodigal son where the father was there and just welcomed his son with open arms and loved his son. And the son's like, Dad, can I work for you? And he's like, no, you can't work for me. But Dad, I don't deserve to be your son. And he goes, it doesn't matter what you feel like. If you feel like you don't deserve to be my son or not, you are my son. Well, you've already given my inheritance and I've already blown it. That's okay. Hey. Let's have a party for him. He's home. <laughs> and the Lord's like, just stay with me. Stop running from me. Stop thinking there's something better out there. No, there's nothing better. All it will do is take everything from you. And then you realize you have nothing left. Nothing. And then what? The Lord's like, stay close to me. But see, then comes in these false teachers trying to destroy who Paul is and stuff. And so we pick up at verse 14 after uh, him saying, or 12, excuse me, after him saying that they've been praying for me and everything else and we're united and all these things. I want to bring up this charge against me. His opponent's, uh, opponents, if you would, said he was selfish, hypocritical, that he was using fleshly wisdom, that the things he was saying and doing was to try to still the hearts of the people. And yet it was them who didn't love the Corinthian Christians. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20, for you put up with with it, if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. He's saying these other people, they wanted simply to take advantage. But he says, I want you to examine something. I want you to examine my motives and my heart. I want you to know what you've seen 
And I want you to know what you've heard. See, though he was being judged, he knew that the ultimate judge was the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4 says, But with me is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know that nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. And so what he's saying is God knows my heart. And he goes, and I'm going to stand or fall on that. And I'm going to be up front and honest and real. And this and this is one of the things if I can convey to you guys as, as Christians anything. And if you leave here, never come back, which is, I would never want that. Please hear me. Please hear me. In your walk with God, be real. Be real with Him. Be real with yourself. Be real with others. Now, people don't need to know your life. Because in the church I've discovered, and maybe you have too, people don't know how to handle things and they'll gossip and talk trash and it's not healthy. But be real. If you're not doing good, you're not doing good. If you're doing good, you're doing good. Don't be a fake and a phony. And if you hear and your parents have said, you know, you know, when we're at church, you just know like you represent us. You represent you. You represent you. Be honest and be real. Don't be fake. Don't be phony. But in that, my prayer is that you run to Jesus and that you're making every effort to say, I'm trying. It's hard. That's all that matters. All that matters. The Lord sees your heart and he knows you're trying. Stop trying to be like other people. I don't want that from you. I want you to be you. Well, my beliefs are different. Okay, then let's wrestle with that. My thoughts are different. Okay, let's wrestle with that. Well, sometimes I don't even want to be at church. Okay, then let's wrestle with that. Because Paul can look everybody else in the face and he can tell the church, you know me. And you know that I've been real with you. And you know what I've said. Matter of fact, when he says in verse 13, what he's saying is there's no hidden agenda. There was no secret message. There was no, I, I didn't keep anything from you. And I didn't. There's no hidden been straightforward with you, I've been straight up with you. What you needed to hear, I told you. What you needed to see, I showed you. I've been real in front of you, as real as real can be in everything. I have no hidden anything. This is, this is it. This is what Paul's trying to get at. And he goes, so you know this. Why is this so important? Because there are people trying to discredit him. And the truth will come out. And he's even helping them see the truth by saying, you've seen me, right? You've heard me, right? So tell me where things don't add up. You're hearing these things. And so people have come in and cast doubt in your mind about me. But let's, let's back up here. I've shown you and I've told you. That's just what, this is why he can say, 
the testimony of our conscience in verse 12, that we've conducted ourselves in the Word with simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. And everything I do, I'm trusting the Lord, he's saying. Acts 24, verse 16 says this, This being so, I myself also may strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. What is he saying? He's saying I'm giving everything in my life to be a person who seeks the Lord and wants to honor God. And even in that, it's having the Lord help me keep going. See, he knew things like in Psalm 51, verse 6, when David said this, Behold, you desire the truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make to know wisdom. This godly sincerity speaks of perfect openness with purity of motive. This openness, especially first and foremost with the Lord, and then with others. See, one of the things, and this is one of the things I want to tell you guys, one of the things that's hard, especially for young people, is we care what people think of us. And we should. We should. But sometimes it's so different. We care more about if they, th they think we look ugly or not, or if they like our clothes or not, or if they you know, want to be our friend or not. Well, here's the problem with that is we become phonies. We spend all this time changing clothes and stuff, trying to feel like we feel okay. We put on something, look in the mirror and go, no, not that. And we change and change and change and all that stuff because we're not changing for ourselves, we're changing for other people. Because we want them to like us and we want them to think our outfit is cute or nice or we look cute or nice or handsome or this and that. And we're not comfortable being ourselves. The Lord's like, you need to be you and be comfortable. And it's not simply the outward things that are mattering. It's the inward things. It's your heart. It's the motives of your heart. It's these things that matter. And we want people to like them, you for you. Yeah, but I'm rough and I say it like it is. Okay, well, then saying like it is is one thing, but learn to speak, start praying. Pray that you would speak the truth in love. Learn how to say it like it is, but the way it should be said. Well, you don't understand us, and I'm quiet and shy. Okay. Then learn how to be quiet and shy, but speak up when you need to speak up, and speak the truth in love. It doesn't matter if you're quiet and shy, or if you're the person who's loud and obnoxious, and I'm going to speak my mind, and, you know, and if you could say, I, I'm going to speak my mind and I don't care what people think, then you're not right with God. You're not right with God. You can't be. Because the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Listen, speaking the truth and, and, and telling people like it is, the Bible says we should do that. But it says do it in love and learn how to do it. And if you're a person that just is shy and quiet, it's like, well, I'm just going to pray about it. The Lord says... Don't just pray about it. Do something about it. Well, I don't want to cause commotion. Yeah. You can't fix some things without causing commotion. 
the other day I was getting rust off of something. And in order to get the rust off of it, I had some rust remover. I sprayed on it. And then I had to get something, and I was scrubbing and rubbing to get the rust off. And it finally came off. I have to agitate it in order to fix it. I have to put pressure. I had to do these things in order to clean it. In order to get the, the corrosion away and, and off, I have to do everything I can to remove it and to heal it, to fix it. And then I put some uh, chrome polish, try to shine it up. But first I had to remove the corrosion in order to get to a healthy look. Well, we have to do that with our hearts. The way we do that is that we run to the Lord. Lord, here's my heart. Paul is saying, I've gone through troubles. Troubles that cause me to be feel like beyond measure, above my strength. I couldn't go on physically. The only thing that kept me going was focusing on the resurrection. Focusing on the Lord can save me. Because He saved me, He is saving me, and He will save me. And He's doing this for the Corinthian Christians to say, God will save you, He will continue to save you, and He will save you some more. He'll be with you. He'll deliver you. And so, in closing, God has been with you. God will be with you always. God is with you now. God has been with you. He will be with you. Stop running from Him. But Dustin, I'm hurting. Uh, okay. You don't understand my hurt, Dustin. That might be true. So cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. He understands. I don't need to understand. But if you're hurting, I hurt for you. If you need prayer, I'm praying for you. But if you're hurting and I don't know to pray, I can't be praying for you in that sense. I got a text yesterday from somebody I hardly talked to. <coughs> Matter of fact, this person recently just came back into my life. I hadn't seen him for years. And it simply said, I need prayer. My mom is at a place where I have to make a decision right now for her life. And it said, I've cried for a couple days straight. So please pray for me. And I thought, I can't imagine. Because... This person loves Jesus. Oh my goodness, they love Jesus. And yet, you're wrestling with the fact that if you are the one that has to tell the doctors, no more. Even though you know the scriptures that say that God is the author of our faith and our, the finisher of our faith, that He's the one who gives us life and He's the one who takes our life. But when you're the one faced with the decision to say no more, and it's your mom... And you're wrestling with that. 
because, and this is me, this isn't them. Again, I'm, I'm reading into a text, but I'm putting myself in the situation. Even if they're on a machine, I'm thinking, maybe they hear me. Anybody hear, right? Maybe they hear me. And then the other thing I'm thinking, well, I'm being selfish. Maybe I should just say no more so they don't have to suffer anymore. What, right? All these things are going through my emotions. And I'm supposed to trust God. And God's supposed to be with me. How do I know he's with me? Because he's been with me. How do I know he's with me now? Because he's been with me. How do I know he's going to be with me? Because he's with me now. Is it hard? Yeah. Do, do I feel like I can't do this on my own? Yeah. So what do I do? Well, even like my friend yesterday, it was a trip that I was going to teach this today. He's, he simply asked for prayer. My response back to him was simple. And I was glad I was freed up. I literally, in seconds, wrote back, praying now. And I did. And all these things that I just shared with you went through my head. Which caused me to pray for him because I felt for him. Does that make sense? I was praying for him in a way that, if, if I could say it like this, I was trying to put myself in his shoes. And I was thinking, in my, I can't imagine. And so because of that, it helped me pray for him. Help me pray for him. When I asked for prayer the other day from the leaders, I literally wrote, pray. That's it. How the leaders prayed, what they prayed for, have no idea. Even if it was like, Lord, Preston didn't say what he prayed, needs prayer for. <laughs> So, Lord, you know his need. You know what's going on right now at 1 in the morning. <laughs> so we're praying. And you know what? I believe with all my heart that they join in battle with me. And we fought together from all these different homes. And the Lord brings victory. I'll leave you with this. Hang on to Jesus and you're going to be okay, I promise. Why can I promise? Because at the end of this month, I'll be 48. And I became a Christian when I was your guys' age. It's been a bumpy ride. God has been with me. He is with me. And I know through looking at the life of my pastor, Pastor Chuck and others, that he will be with me still later so i pass the baton to you and tell you you'll be okay and as you have little brothers and sisters or if you have friends in junior high or children's ministry whatever's know this you need to pass on to them you're going to make it and if they say how do you know you don't know my life you can just smile and go you have no clue what i understand but you'll be okay. Just hang on to Jesus.